Hello and welcome to Sustain. I'm your host, Richard Latower. I'm here today in Portland, Oregon for FOSSI, the free and open source software yearly conference put on by Software Freedom Conservancy. Very excited to be here today and excited to talk to our guest. So we have Joe Castle today from SAS. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank cool. you. Cool. So that's SAS with one A, not two, right? That is true. Okay. Now tell me what you do there. What I do, it's always hard to answer. So I largely support the federal team. Cool. I call it strategic partnerships and technology. Okay. So it's sort of a two hat or dual hat approach. So part of it is business development, yep. government executives, largely. And then the other part is preaching and developing about open source software. Okay. I need to back up a couple of seconds. That's what you do, which is great. What does SaaS do? What does SaaS do? SaaS is an analytics and AI company. Cool. Founded in the 1970s as a programming code or just as code. Now a software platform with GUI interface, point and click, low code, no code, all that good stuff. Awesome. Okay. So now I know a bit more who are your major clients. Is just like the federal government? You're working with various no, contractors? No. Numerous around the world. So cool. every industry, I uh, think large banks, insurance companies, government, obviously, U.S. government, world, governments around the world. Yep. Many customers, usually what we like to say or what I like to say is if you've ever applied for a loan or a credit card and you get instant feedback on that application, sure, that's our software in the background. It's doing that decisioning, that processing of your data analysis of the data you put in, but also potentially what's behind the scenes, cool. credit reports, things like that. Mildly important work. Yeah. Tell me how open source figures in that. Yeah, that's a good question. So we obviously use a lot of open source, like yeah. every organization these days. Making a bigger play to be open source friendly, friendly with communities and using more open source. So our current product suite allows for integration or touch points with Python and R, Lua, JavaScript, all that good stuff. So some of it's actually built into the interface itself. Yep. So you can do SAS code or you can do Python or you can do R and there's like a drop down menu or you can just code it right into what we call studio. Got it. You can also use things like Jupyter Notebook, VS Code. We have a plugin that ties right into our product suite as well. Various Python packages that I'll be demonstrating one of those on Sunday in my talk called SWAT, which is a Python package to basically connect to cloud analytics server, which is our big compute engine, which sits in a Kubernetes container and basically run it from a Jupyter notebook. So with a large corporation like that, you often end up with open source that's either dependent on open source and so you have some upstream stuff coming from a few contractors down the line or a few employees, but like not necessarily company wide. Or you have a focus on, say, an open source product that you're trying to bring to a community and say, please come use this, everyone. And then you're sort of developing it, but you're still the main stakeholders involved. Sometimes there's more than that. You're really involved in standards bodies. You're really involved with building a tool with other large corporations in the public, or you're really involved with donating and giving back through either fiscal sponsorship or in-kind sponsorship to communities at large that may not help your core business product. Can you tell me where on that whole spectrum of corporate influence on open source SaaS fits? Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's actually in all of those okay. places, which sounds somewhat maybe cliche, but... There's the using of open source software to build our products internally. Like I said, most organizations do that. There's the development of packages to then interact with our software itself. And we are the biggest contributors, maintainers of that. Now, these things sit on GitHub, right? We have our developers page, developers.sas.com. All of our packages are on GitHub. We obviously welcome contributions 
that way, but it's largely maintained by us for, yeah, 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 for yeah. our user, yeah. for our SaaS user community to interact with our products that don't necessarily want to go through the, the interface or the no code, low code, because they can code and they're data scientists in a lot of cases or developers, right? And they can use Python or R and they can just go directly to Jupyter Notebook, yep. VS Code, those sorts of things. And then the, that sort of third aspect that you talked about was the community contribution, the things like Linux Foundation, Fossey. So we help to plan Fossey. We have a track here that's open source with AI and data. That I saw that. that. That's yeah. the track that I'm speaking in. But cool. our OSPO director, Ruth Seeley, is one of the leads for that. And Linux Foundation, we were just in Vancouver about a month ago. Yep. Ruth and I both gave different talks. Didn't even know that each of us were going to be there because we're in different parts of the organization. Cool. But obviously met up there. And so we're members of that foundation. Basically trying to expand our OSPO, our open source program office, to become more involved with organizations. I don't know so much about sponsorship. Maybe that becomes a thing later or funding open source projects and things like that. But at least getting involved with various groups and potentially governance and some of the things that you mentioned in that third leg. Cool. I want to segue a bit. You mentioned that you are an AI company founded in the 1970s, which is pretty prescient. That's amazing work. But they said you, you sort of switch now to AI. How does uh, that combine with open source and what you're trying to offer on the open source side? Yeah, that's interesting. So started in the 1970s really as statistical software for descriptive analytics. Where AI comes into play are in, I hate to use the term, but everyone's in model management, model development. So we always say it's the math. It's in the math. It's gradient boosting, it's clustering out, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's built in to various models, statistical models and things like that. So you can get pretty sophisticated with AI within our product line and then obviously have the data immersed in there and keep optimizing on models over time because models will degrade. They're only as good as the data going into them. Yep. All that good stuff. But the whole point is to go from descriptive to predictive with AI in those terms, right? With the math. So where does open source figure in? Yeah. So it still goes back to the interaction with, well, the development of the product suite with open source, but also the interaction with the various integration points with Python and R in particular is where it fits in. So if you're a developer and you want to do some sort of AI model, right, you can develop that yep. within Python and then either use one of our packages and run it through our large compute engine that way, right? Do model management, do that maybe in GitHub or something else. Yeah. Develop it, optimize it. The data sits in one place. The model sit in one place, have potentially a pipeline. That could all be an open source code or an open source code base. Cool. Is that like, what you're talking about in your talk? What's the like actual the, project? Like the using? controller of that. Yeah. What, what I'm going to talk about in my talk is I'm going to show one of our packages called SWAT. And it's a Python package. And basically, I'm going to talk about the architecture of the CAS, the cloud analytics service. Yep. And, and that's ultimately used in any cloud environment, so AWS and et cetera, right, in a Kubernetes container. But the idea is that you could go to big compute based on the virtual servers and things like that. But we actually pass off basically sequential processing of large data sets. So I'm going to show it from like, you're the developer, the programmer, you're doing Jupyter Notebook, you're doing yep. create the connection, get the data in a table, right? Do some manipulation to it. And then in essence, I'm basically doing it all on my local, but I'm sending the commands up to the cloud server to process those commands through that package, through that SWAT package. When you talk about the models being available there, is it entirely open, like all the way down the stack? Like what's closed source and what's open source? How do you differentiate? Yeah, it depends. 
Okay. It depends, right? So we have proprietary algorithms for our processing, if you will, or our model processing, I'll say. But if you're a developer, you may have your Python to have instructions, outline the data, do something right, or outline the model itself. So, yeah. so it's a little bit of back and forth, right, on kind of where you where you cross that gap. Who's your like primary audience? Like, who are you looking to serve? Yeah, that's a good question. So we. Well, it goes across the board depending on where you are in the lifecycle. But if yeah. you're doing open source, and what I mean by lifecycle, whether you're using the actual like GUI platform versus, yeah, yeah. but if we talk about open source, we tend to talk more at the code level and kind of forget about the GUI. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, it's usually maybe data scientists that have some development chops, but a lot of okay. times it's usually development folks that understand Python and, and R. So what are you looking to get out of that? Sometimes we'll say like data engineers as well. So basically what we're finding is that for a long time, we had SAS code. Python wasn't a thing. <laughs> you know, we're talking about 70s net, right? Yeah, Python yeah, yeah, wasn't totally, a thing yeah. until the 90s, right? R kind of came on around the same time. R is kind of fizz- Scala fizz- and, yeah. fizzling maybe a little bit, I read, or more academic, right? So, yep. but, but basically, folks are coming to us and saying like, hey, we don't use SAS coding language, right? Like, we don't learn it in school anymore. We don't want to learn SAS and Python. We don't two language problem, right? Like we just want... The one language that we can build applications, we can do data analysis, we can run models, we can, and we can still use your back engine data manipulation, all that good stuff. We can still leverage the power of what you built, the algorithms and things like that. But it's really okay going forward. The folks that come in with Python and, and other things. I mean, I, I'll give you an example of that too. Like I just joined the company almost a year ago in August. Cool. And I come to the company with Python only skills. Yep. I'm an open source person, ran the U.S. federal government's OSPO, open yep. source program office. It started as called code.gov. It's still there. Yep. It's kind of kind of defunct now. If you want to talk about sustainability, I'll give you a horror story on that one. But I was engineering for a while, doing the DevOps pipeline, kind of get back into front-end engineering with React and some yeah. other things. And launching from code.gov and engineering in Python, was also working on my PhD dissertation at the same time. Yep. And was using, that's where I got into Python. So I was doing open source with HTML, CSS, JavaScript, React, in particular with code.gov, engineering that, and then got into Python because I needed to do data analysis for my PhD dissertation on open source software as well. So I come to SAS as a Python open source person, experts, me, whatever you want to call it, but I didn't, and I'm still like learning SAS. I didn't know anything about SAS when I walked in the door. And so I'm sort of that prime example of like why we're in some sense becoming more open source friendly becoming more Python, because that's where the audience is. That's where future customers are. How are you capturing that value? It's offering the capability to do the compute and the big data and all that sort of stuff, the engine. So we're offering the engine, but it's meeting people where they are, meeting the developers, the Python developers, our developers, and what have you. Let me try and rephrase. So I could see why you would want to offer philanthropically awesome tools to developers to do really cool stuff. Makes a total lot of sense. It also makes sense to have name recognition. Hey, we do the best statistical work in the area, and therefore, if you want these statistical tools, you should come and use us. That makes a ton of sense to me. Right. What I'm curious about is you mentioned at the very beginning that you preach open source both internally and externally. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, how are you preaching it internally? Like, what's, what is the bottom line for SaaS for why they would offer all these awesome open source tools? And what do you get out of it? It's not so much, I do preach internally, yeah. but it's surprising in a proprietary company that there are actually a lot of advocates that are cool. open source. And, cool. it's, and it's pretty largely because we're using a lot of open source, like everyone else, right? Like we're using packages, we're bringing in all sorts, you know, we're trying out when we do 
various baseline testing and things like that. We're using Open PyTorch and other things. And we're actually looking at ways to integrate some of those tools in machine learning packages. So the value add for us is we want to leverage what's out there just like everyone else. Part of the advocating, though, also is to have folks inside to basically say, okay, we're using these things. We should also be publishing. We should be contributing. And that's probably more of the advocating that happens as opposed to we should use it. People recognize it as superior, not superior, but as a alternative or yeah. leverage the community, leverage what's out there. What I say is do that, take it a step further and also give back. I like that. I mean, I'm always trying to get to the bottom of whether or not you're philanthropically motivated or competitively motivated in terms of using corporate open source. Because open source, if I'm a PhD student, it's really easy for me to open source stuff. I want people to know my name. I want to share. But when you're in a large corporation, it's very difficult to judge how you're entering the space and what you're trying to do with it. And so for you, working at code.gov, working for the federal government, and offering cool tools that you use in your own like PhD makes a ton of sense to me to see a philanthropic right. uh, a- angle for right. like why you're working in open source at all. Because it's at the end of the day, it's a licensing issue, right? It's how you get to market. It's how you get people to use your code and how you share the work that you have. Right. I guess um, the reason I kind of asked that question is because I have a suspicion that Osbos are really fair weather vehicles. They do really well when there's funds around. But when there isn't around, I want to find out that what's the underpinning that allows the engagement to continue and thrive. Right. And so I was curious about how SaaS is doing there, what they think about giving to open source. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, obviously we're competitively competitive motivated, right? We're financially met. I mean, we're a company, right? Yeah. We want to stay in business. We want to meet people where they are because we want to help them in that sense, but also it's capturing that audience, right? Yeah. Like, hey, we are open source friendly and come use us and contribute. Cool. And we'll contribute back, obviously. Like a lot of commercial companies, right? Like Microsoft is one of the biggest contributors to GitHub and then yep. they bought GitHub, right? And then you have yep. Red Hat with IBM and all that. So, I mean, there's obviously a financial incentive there as a company, for sure. I guess I'm just trying to figure out like how much is it financially incentivized versus sustainable in the long term based on the entire model that you're working on? Or is it we're giving away stuff now for free? And we'll do that as long as it keeps working. And I would say, too, like um, financial motivation, obviously, we're a company. I would also say there's more to that of when we use it internally, obviously, we want to build the best product that we can build because then it goes back to that competition. Right. If we can build a, a superior product by quality, the algorithms, the IP, the things that we have put together, then it's a no brainer for others. Customers, when they come to us, like, oh, my gosh, you really got to use SaaS because they have all of this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, we'll see that a lot of times, too, where it's like, hey, what about this reporting tool? Or what about that dashboard tool? or whatever? Yep. And it's like, that's great for that one thing. So if you're okay with like basic statistics, descriptive statistics or something, or if you're okay with just Python pandas, right? Yep. Or if you just want to plot something, right, for a PhD dissertation, that's great. But the reality is if you want to go from, and I always say like big data is worn out, obviously, petabytes, terabytes. We're working with a financial customer that has, I want to say like 40... 40 gigs of RAM or something. No, it's bigger than that. 40 terabytes of RAM. I mean, it's huge. Think financial institution around the world. And that's just the RAM to process the amount of data that they collect. And they're using our software to to support that. Not not so much the processing itself, but the actual like analysis of it, the modeling of it and all that. Cool. Good stuff. Right. So if you, if we can do a product like that, like we could, you could scale that to almost any government, any organization. And we're doing that with open source as well. So it, it's let's build the best product we can build. What I'm saying is like, obviously, 
and we're headed this direction, not just Joe Castle out there saying this stuff, but we're headed this direction where it's like, okay, let's contribute back. Let's be able to have the dialogue with open source developers. You know, we're open to play. We're not just a proprietary software company. What are you most excited about opening source? What are you most excited about opening up? Yeah, that's interesting. So I was talking today, we had a conversation about like opening some of the proprietary stuff. And that, that's hard because obviously we are a business, right? I keep going back to that. So it's like Microsoft doesn't open Windows, but they have VS Code. So we'll see. We'll see what comes down the pipeline. Cool. I know we're doing a lot of Python packages, making it a first class citizen, things like that. Yeah. So we're going to see some changes. We actually have our software developer conference called SAS Explorer cool. that comes up in September of this year. And there'll be some announcements there. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. And you keep saying it's a business. I mean, I also have business interests, right? right. I, I'm here for a reason. And I also need to put food on the table. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Right. Um, I just want to see like how authentically we can engage and make awesome stuff yeah. together in the open. Why it's not? actually like we've really, now, now I'm new, so I say like we like I've been there forever, but the fact that they're bringing in folks like myself and Ruth Seeley. Ruth's and, great. And Jared Link is on our team. He comes from University of Maryland. He's a Python. And he says the same thing. Never touched SAS before in my life. Yep. Did applied research with Python and R. Actually, he was mostly R. Came in, learned SAS. You know, he does a lot of demos for us on the federal team and stuff. So even just that's a marker of like things are changing. Cool. Right. Internally. And so I'm excited about that because I, and then I was talking about like the allies internally as I talked to folks in R&D. So our R&D department builds our base, pro- sure. you know, our product yeah. line. And when I talk to different folks and they're like ecstatic about various open source things cool. that we're doing and using. And, and I'm just like, yeah, this is, it's definitely here as a company. We are realizing this is a real thing now and we need to, not just now, but it's a real thing and we need to play in that space for sure. What was the website where you could access the developer stuff again? It was developers.sas.com. And where can people follow you online? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm just Joseph Castle, PhD. Cool. So you'll see me under that, which is kind of silly. I'm also on Twitter, but I don't do it a lot. So <laughs> it's all right. That's not silly. It takes a long time to get a PhD. I don't have one next to my name. So mad props. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you're curious about Fossey, where these were recorded, go to sfconservancy.org to the Software Freedom Conservancy's website where you can learn more about it. It's been really, really fun to be here and have these great conversations about free and open source software. Of course, if you've liked this podcast, please let us know. Like us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to it. Email us at podcast at sustainoss.org. Give us any thoughts or comments or queries or complaints. We would love to hear them. And of course, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the single best way to get more listeners on this podcast. And hopefully you think that that's something we should have. If you would like to donate, you can go to Open Collective to sustain OSS, where you can donate to the production cost for this podcast, which is not free. So that would be super, super great. And of course, you can join in the conversation yourself by going to discourse at sustainoss.org to go chat. And you can follow us on Twitter at sustainoss, on Mastodon, and I believe on Blue Sky. So thank you so much for listening and take care. Bye.